0: This is Internet Marketing. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 80 of Internet Marketing. Um, Today would normally be an interview, but because we've got so many questions and answers... We're doing another questions and answers session. I
1: got with me in the studio Mr. Kelvin Newman. Hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are, you are in the world. Fantastic. And I have with me a number of questions. Yeah.
0: Make them sound like people, don't don't I? I have with me a number of questions on paper, so we, we you will hear a slidey sound as I slide them into position to read them. And the first question is from Gareth Dixon. Yep. Dear Kelvin, or hi Kelvin, I'm enjoying the premium content. Well worth it, thank you very much. Um, He goes on to say, thank you for that, by the way. Kind words. It is, yeah. uh, He goes on to say, um, I'd be grateful for for your advice. Not sure if any of this uh, may be relevant questioning for your podcast, brackets, apologies if you've already covered this, brackets. I work for a holiday cottage letting agent, that's www.cornishcottage.com holidays.co.uk and I'm involved with marketing and have a basic understanding of web development. My internet marketing education is down to listening to you exclamation mark and we have access to a web design agency. The issue uh, we do well driving traffic to our site through natural positioning yet we only convert about 2% of visitors. My thinking is that people are searching for quote, holiday cottage in Cornwall, quote, or similar, than they are after a specific product. I also think our site is quite good at getting people to the product, um, uh, they are sorry, the product they are after once they are at the homepage. Yet, we are still converting just 2%. Do you have any top tips on boosting conversions slash keeping the site sticky? What's the general feeling on those, quote, why are you leaving, quote, pop-ups? Uh, do they have a positive result? Many thanks. Gareth. Ooh, that's yeah so it's an interesting
1: question i mean yeah i mean to start off with i'd say two percent conversion rate isn't that terrible um because you've got to bear in mind that there's going to be people just browsing your site who aren't that serious or are very early in the kind of buying cycle but i think that there's always with conversion rates the whole the whole point is that there's always ways you can improve them so you should be looking to explore ways of improving them i mean the first tip i'd say and we we mentioned it if, a few times in the past is to use Google website optimizer, which allows you to kind of like a V test different versions of your web pages and website. So to see if, you know, maybe if you put a, um, if if you are talking about any of these pop-ups or um, thinking of leaving, you know, kind of notifications, you can test two different versions and see which ones convert the best. So with all of these recommendations, it will be different on every site. So test it, but here here are some kind of ideas that generally I think are worth considering. Those pop-ups that say, um, you know, why are you leaving? Please stay, begging you to, to do it. If you um, look at the results of those, then there are case studies out there which prove that they're successful. However, what I would say is they're probably successful in getting more people to take the desired action, but it's what is the impact they're having on those other people who aren't converting. So say you get 100 people visiting your site. At the moment, Gareth's saying he's getting two people inquiring um maybe using one of these pop-ups might be able to take you up to three or four percent maybe two you know one or two extra people signing you know inquiring but those other sort of you know 95 96 people um they're not necessarily um have converted at this point in time, but next hundred bunch of people, they might be one of the people of converting. So if you annoy people now, it might have an impact on your conversion rates in the future. So that's one of the dangers sometimes of just looking at very short term measures of success. So i my conversion rate jumped up. Like, you know, A versus B, B is better. But that pop up might be turning off a huge number of people who would have come back or contacted you over the phone or um, you know, Got a brochure in a in a kind of offline environment as well. So yeah, it's not always quite as simple, but if you look at the case studies, they work. So it's kind of about making a judgment call: is that short term gain worth the potential long term risk? In a lot of cases, it probably is because it's you know worth getting as many people to do what you want them to do as possible. Um, other top tips really is just kind of making sure at the end of every page you've got a clear next action point because mm. um, too often people can kind of browse down your page, read through it, and then go, oh, well, what do I do now? Oh, I'll click the back yeah. button and go to Google or do whatever it is. Whereas, so maybe if they've looked at one property, uh, maybe have other similar properties. I know I'm, I'm looking for a house at the moment. I actually put my mortgage application today, Andy, which is all very scary. Um, yeah, no, I don't want don't to know um, what the, the outcome of all that will be. But, mm. but so I've been looking around at a lot of prop, property sites when you're looking to buy. And one mm. thing they do very well is they'll say, okay, well, you've looked at, a two bedroom um, house in this location. Well, once I've finished looking at that page, if I've not inquired, which is their conversion point, they've got like three or four other similar properties Their picture of them, click-through link to keep me on the site, to keep me within the site, rather than mm. disappearing off to something else. So it's the kind of it's
0: the kind of classic um, Amazon people that bought this also yeah. looked at this or bought these as well.
1: Yeah, and you can do you can do some of that automatically. So if you've got a blog or you're using like WordPress as a CMS, there's some plugins you can use. There's one that I recommend called. Um, yet another related post plugin or YARP it's called <laughs> Yarp. Um, and that one does does it automatically but actually if you've not got that many pages it's probably worth doing kind of by hand you know go look at every major page of your site look in Google Analytics see which are your top exit pages so the pages where people are leaving your site look at that page and read through and think okay well where could I go next from this page am I signalling that strong enough to the people on the site and if you're not try introducing some new kind of extra ways and that'll mm. keep people on the site longer it won't necessarily make them convert more often but hopefully if they'll end up in the right page they're more likely to as well and simple things as well one thing that i've seen quite a few websites do recently that i quite like the look of um is kind of a scrolling contact us button mm. so because you kind of always want the contact details to be nearby and the, the classic way of doing that is you kind of have it in the top corner the bottom corner along the bottom so at the screen. Hopefully, there's always somewhere that someone can click to contact you. But you're seeing quite a few of these ones where they're kind of the. Oh no, What you mean is yeah.
0: the floats on the right or left hand side, and always yeah. stays in the same position.
1: Yeah, which can be a bit annoying in some cases. But I actually quite like the look of because it makes it easy, and people can always see where that next step is. So if you've got a clear, like maybe in, in Gareth's case, it's download a brochure. Maybe he has a button that's always floating there. That's a download a brochure. It pops open like a lightbox type thing. Mm. You put in your details and you convert. So no one's ever more than a small mouse movement from being able to convert.
0: Was it you, Kelvin, that was telling me that uh, the uh, conversion things you can do to improve conversion are much more have a much bigger result than things you can do? Yeah, to get I mean, in the first yeah, box? I
1: mean, there is a stat, and I'm terrible at mental arithmetic. I so can't work this out, but it's that kind of. So in Gareth's case is there, say he's getting 100 visits a month. If he conv- completes his conversion rate by, you know, so he goes from a 2% conversion rate to a 4% conversion rate. He goes from getting two people per 100 to four people per mm. 100. That's a relatively small change. If someone said a 2% increase in your conversion rate. So, okay, that's not too bad. That's fairly achievable. But to do that, if he kept the current conversion rate, you'd have to double his traffic. Mm. So he'd have to increase his traffic by, you know, that that much. So particularly when you're kind of in double-figure conversion rates. It's small changes that you need to try and m- get these numbers up there. So, yeah, it's, it, it's worth spending some time trying to improve conversion rates. Don't just worry about getting more traffic. Worry about what that traffic's doing when it visits your site.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for that question, Kelvin. Um, no, you're Kelvin. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Gareth. Yes. <laughs> thanks, Gareth, for that question as he slides a piece of paper away. Uh, next question uh, from Elliot Mist. Uh, who I think is from Australia, judging from his email address. Hi, Kelvin. I have just started a new internet marketing position at a mining recruitment company. We have a huge database of 80,000 strong, but uh, within it can be broken up into different segments, such as different skill sets, brackets, workforce, accounting, geologist, brackets, uh, location, age, uh, active, uh, non-active, etc. Uh, we'll be attacking the database with email campaigns tailored to each specific segment. Uh, some email campaigns will be up to 8,000 emails at a time. Do you still recommend MailChimp as an email marketing app to use with all this in mind? We're looking for a powerful app that can deliver track and measure results. Measurement of each campaign success is critical as I need to report and present to management. Thanks for all your help and answers. Regards, Elliot, well, thanks that, Elliot. Cool, what are yeah. What thoughts, uh, Kelvin?
1: Yeah, I, well, I know Elliot's a, I think the question came off the back of, I know Elliot's a premium subscriber, and we did kind of an introduction to MailChimp for people who'd not done any email marketing before. And Elliot asked the question, and um, he mentioned this also in the premium um, forum as well, that, um, you know, MailChimp's great. It's a great free tool, um, but is it really up to that kind of enterprise standard email marketing? Um, there's a few options out there, so there's MailChimp, we talk about Pure360 because they're based down here in Brighton as well, Campaign Monitor and a variety of them there. There's pros and cons to each of them, personally I prefer MailChimp, I know Daniel um, Daniel Rolls, um, who's kind of a bit of our resident email marketing expert in the podcast, um, is a big fan of MailChimp as well. It can do all those things that Elliot's after, um, you can break it down into all those different elements, mm. but mailchimp is kind of a um it's built around being available to lots and lots of people so it's a mass market offering yeah now it's got all the functionality that elliot needs there but whether necessarily it's in the you know i think with with a campaign like he's talking about the the time and the money and the value is going to come from the analysis of the data rather than the data itself so I know Google Analytics, um, Avinash Kushak, who we interviewed, I don't know, probably a year or so ago Yeah, I remember now. that one. Yeah. yeah, he makes a big fuss about actually most companies spend far too much money and time worrying about what they can measure using the piece of software and then don't spend any money on someone's time to analyze it. Mm-hmm. So I would say in Elliot's case, I think MailChimp is more than sufficient and as would be Pure360 or Campaign Monitor. We've got a page on the premium On the premium site, we have a recommended suppliers guide, which is free that anyone can look at and just see Mm. the people we've recommended previously. And in there, we've got maybe, I don't know, six or seven email marketing companies that uh, email marketing software companies that we've worked with in the past or Mm. have had listeners recommend. Most of them are able to do that, MailChimp is. But what I would say is Elliot needs to find some of his or some of his team's time to To kind of really analyze that data so maybe doing a few few trial campaigns and then learning from what the data provides rather than just kind of having a great report at the end is what can you use to inform you so yeah mailchimp can do that but it's the time on it rather than the the tool that i think is the important thing really when it comes to using data so analyse your data. You reckon there's a lot of value in that. Well, that's it. And I mean, with a lot of these, a lot of email marketing solutions, you can do a lot of trial campaigns. Mm. So say, so how many people did Elliot say he had on his list? I think it was sort of like... 80,000. 80,000. 80, I think it's 80,000 yeah. yeah. So rather than just sending out one email or two, maybe maybe you're going crazy and you're putting out four different variations mm. of the emails there. Actually break it down. So for each of those different categories that he's got, send out a trial campaign to maybe 50, 60 people. Mm. See what works for those ones. And then... you roll out the campaign that works best and MailChimp will allow you to that sort of automatically as well but I think it's the personal human touch that will really give you the yeah. the, the clever insight
0: okay Elliot well hopefully you found that useful let's move on to the next one paper is sliding noise uh, this one is from there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host uh, Lyndon oliver hi kelvin i'm a regular listener to your podcast first of all i'd like to thank you uh, for all the great content that you offer and each week has some really useful info thanks for that Lyndon. Um, I have a client that has purchased a number of domain names that are specific to their business of renting groundwork machinery. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a a main company site and have now purchased domains such as used-mower.co.uk, bandit-chipper.co.uk, etc. They have asked me the following. Uh, Would it be possible to create a one-pager for each of the new domains with a link to the relevant part of the main site, or would it be better to create a link straight to the site without the one-page? Uh, Do you think this would drive much more traffic to the website, and would these links appear high on Google searches if someone typed in, quote, used Moa, quote, for instance? Uh, As far as I'm aware, Google does not like individual pages being produced to get the user to link through. I have had a search on Google, and the consensus seems to be in favour of a simple 301 redirect. However, if this is done, is there any advantage of owning these domains other than the fact that competitors can't get them? Uh, thanks for your time. And if you can offer any advice, that would be great. Thanks. Lyndon.
1: Yeah, that used to be the case. So there was a tactic that was used quite a lot, um, which was known as doorway pages, where you'd kind of create a page that was really well optimized. Doorway yeah,
0: Yes, doorway pages. Yeah,
1: really well optimized for a particular term. And then the whole purpose of that website was to get you to click through to another website. Mm. And the shorthand version is that Google didn't like that. It came down on it really hard. It didn't really work anymore. So there's an argument in that case against microsites, mm. i.e. a one-pager. Because Was that the other name for them,
0: uh, Kelvin? Microsites? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Microsites
1: get used in this kind of... And people talk about using microsites for SEO. And there is... It's not one of those decisions where there's a one right answer, one wrong answer. There's kind of a combination of the two that works here. Now, I wouldn't advise that anyone go out and buy up hundreds of domains, all of which had different keyword variations, bung up one page, and the only purpose of that page is to link to their main site. That's not going to work. Um, but um, what um, they said there, um, Lyndon said that's very true, is if you own a domain name want 301 to your site, the only benefit you're getting from that is the potential that someone types that in and mm-hmm. then ends up in your website. So if you're using hyphenated ones or not the, you know not the um, obvious domain extension like a .biz or something, it's very unlikely you're going to get any typing traffic there. So if you've bought them, he's right. The only real benefit there is the fact that your competitors can't own them. However, there is a sort of middle ground here, mm. which is at the moment, and it's been the case for probably a year or so now, and a lot of people don't know how long this is going to last, but Google, particularly Bing and Yahoo don't in comparison, Absolutely love exact match domain names. So mm. if you're going after one particular keyword, and your domain name is an exact, so um, it's I don't know, you know, blue, um, blue trumpet. I don't know. You wouldn't buy a blue trumpet, but say <laughs> say everyone was really interested. The in mind of Kelvin <laughs> Newman. So yeah, say it, there was a big trend that everyone wanted to buy blue trumpets, and you owned blue dot com. Mm. Um, there's a good chance if you build up a small website around that that's focused around that term, it's not that highly competitive, you'll be able to rank for that. Now, Kelvin, hyphenated or not hyphenated? I prefer non-hyphenated domain names because they seem a little bit less spammy. Google are mm. quite good at being able to tell the difference where one word stops and another one doesn't. Mm. Um, but that's kind of a matter of taste rather than a matter of Google policy, really. Mm. Um, so what I would say is if some of those domains that he's bought or that his client has bought have significant search volumes in their own right, there is an argument you should consider building a little website around them. And I'm not saying one page, like a five, ten-page website, which Mm. kind of is absolutely focused on that topic. You can build a few links to it and get it to rank on that term and ideally have its own conversion point within that site rather than sending someone off to another website. That can work. However, for most people, that's not the most effective use of their time because if they've got to build 20 different websites – maybe that'd take them a couple of months to do they've got to write all that content out in a lot of cases they would have been better spending that time on the original site however if you've got one website that's currently number one for all your main keywords really doing really really well and you're looking for that next step then maybe exploring some of these microsites might be a good way of doing it or just as a little way to trial a new market i bunging up a little website see what happens get it a few directory links see if it starts to rank and then invest some real attention in it So microsites don't always work Mm. and they might not work forever, but at the moment you can bung them up quite quickly and do quite well off the back of that if it matches the keyword exactly. So a
0: microsite as opposed to a doorway site.
1: Yeah, I think the distinction is... difference. Yeah, in my distinction, a microsite is that it's kind of freestanding and will work on its own. Mm. And um, the the visitor of that site would be perfectly happy visiting that site. You're not trying to mislead them. I don't think anyone should be trying to do that. It's a kind of say um okay so say we are say you're a fitness supplier mm-hmm. so you supply fitness equipment and me and andy both use ex, you know exercise balls as mm. as work desk chairs so maybe there's an argument if you could get exercise desk chair or something like mm. that you could produce a little microsite dedicate dedicated to that specific topic explaining why you would use it why you wouldn't use it what's good for it what things you might want to bear in mind. It's a freestanding website, works very well. And on that site, it might be possible to buy that product. Yeah, right. that's supplementary to your main website and kind of freestanding and works perfectly well there. But instead, if you're just doing it, buying loads up, bunging mm. up 200 words worth of copy and hope getting your fingers crossed that Google are going to love it, it's unlikely it's going to work. So they've got to be okay. some real sort of investment in those websites to really okay. get the value from them.
0: Okay, brilliant. So I hope that's of help, uh, Lyndon. Let's move on to the uh, final question. Yes, this is from Ivan Wainwright, mm-hmm. who appears to be from the UK, judging from his uh, his uh, the, his domain name. Um, hi, Kelvin. I've been uh, sorry, been listening to the IMPC podcast for some time now. Excellent work. Definitely one of the be- best best post- podcasts around. Thank you very much for that, Ivan. I've just seen the following video. He's given us a big long link, mm-hmm. stating that Google does not use the keywords meta tag. So my question is: Do other search engines use them? Is it worth spending time on optimizing them? Maybe you can cover it in a future podcast. Thanks,
1: Ivan. Yeah, it's um, a good question. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'll okay. drop. I'll drop it. One l- of those questions that I keep asking him ahead, and
0: it never vocalizes it.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good uh, good question. I'll drop a link to the video. I think it's presumably Matt Cutts um talking about it, and basically so. There used to be three main meta elements that you'd edit Mm. from an SEO perspective. The title tag, which isn't technically a meta tag, but Mm. gets lumped in there. Your meta description, so that's your kind of um, 150 characters that you've got to play with um, that normally appears as the second and third line in your Google search results. And then your meta keywords, which don't appear anywhere on the search results, and they're not visible to the... Um, the user typically when they view the site mm-hmm. now it used to be meta keywords were back in the day back in the days of AltaVista and that that was the main way you'd get to oh, number one. that
0: takes me back AltaVista yeah
1: yeah yeah and it was one of those ones where literally if you put Britney Spears and that's probably before Britney Spears even but if you put something like that you know Britney Spears sex you know casinos in, in your keywords If you put that in your keyword tag, you go straight to number one for Mm. them. Admittedly, no one was really searching back in those days, but that was the way it worked. Um, But it was open to so much um, spamming, really, that very, very quickly it got turned down, turned down, turned down, turned down as a ranking factor. Mm. To the extent that Google have stated that they don't look at it. I think both Yahoo and MSN have stated to some extent that they don't look at it as well. And from tests, people are showing that they're not even spidering it yet alone, let alone using it as a ranking factor. Mm, so interesting. Um, he's yeah, right to say there that Ivan that yeah, it's not that important. Having said that, I do still use them mm. because I think sometimes they're quite helpful um when you're looking back at your so say you've got 100 pages on your site you've specified all your title tags you've specified all your meta descriptions and then you bang them up on your site and then six months later you're like well what keyword did i actually try and optimize this page for yes sometimes it can be quite good to keep reminding you what you've done there but that does open you up to other people seeing um but the way i tend to do it is i write my title tags and i cut and paste that into the keyword title column Mm. in my excel spreadsheet remove the ands put in a couple of commas put in Mm -hmm. a couple of spaces so it is a list of keywords rather than just a sentence like you might get in a title tag and leave it at that so literally it takes less than a minute for a whole website to do them with a quick find and replace i think if that's the amount of time you're spending it's probably worth it because it's not going to do any harm Mm. but what i wouldn't be doing is spending anything more than i don't know maybe half an hour on a whole website's meta meta keywords tags because it's just not going to be worth worth the time or effort so yeah. Yeah. Cuz
0: potentially you could have different keywords for each indiv- individual page, couldn't you?
1: Yeah. know. I mean and it's the sequence as well. We've talked in fair in a couple of episodes back about like when you're writing a title tag, it's those words in any order. Mm. So if you had it was when we were talking about paper cup holders, wasn't yeah. it? Mm. And we were saying, well you could have cardboard um coffee cup holders that would also do for coffee cup coffee cup holders, whole water paper. You know, all the combinations that you had in yes. those various yeah. terms yeah. there It didn't really matter as long as you had all of them there whereas that meta keywords might give you the opportunity to say okay well we went for cardboard cup holders we went for cardboard coffee cup holders we went for um you know recyclable cup holders and you've got all of those different ones there but they might not be you might have 20 keywords for a page but you've only got one title tag because you've got the different combinations and orders and sequences that you can go for Mm -hmm. so sometimes it can be quite handy from that point of view
0: Brilliant. Well, that wraps the questions. Now, of course, if you if you want to ask a question, um, please send an email to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. dot com. Yeah. And also, don't forget our phone line. Yes, There's yeah, a, we've got the phone line phone number. Yeah, line. that's
1: on the outro of the show as well. And plus, um, anyone who's a premium subscription member, um, I at Premium dot dot org. We've got a little forum there, and that lots of people have been asking questions there, mm-hmm. which is works quite well actually, because you know. We've always got an angle on on how we can answer those questions, but actually a lot of the other members of the community have been going through similar situations themselves, Mm. so quite often have some pretty good insight there as well. So that's a nice little bonus for anyone who's signed up as a premium subscriber. So if you are going, check out the forum. It works out quite well. Fantastic. Well, it's goodbye from me, Andy White. And goodbye goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me, Kelvin Newman. See you next time.
0: If you're outside of the UK, it's plus 441273256150. If you're inside the UK, it's zero one two seven three two five six one five zero. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing.